Hi folks, uh, that time again. Uh, so our content warning this week, the only thing I've got written down is ADHD, which is pretty much constant. So hey, you Certainly know it going has been in. for me. Yeah. Uh, also, we have cats. Oh yeah. Sergey and dog. Um, Sergey's sort of lurking over here on my desk, which means there may be swearing later. Um, because he's going to make a ruckus, or the dog might make a ruckus, or, or something. So, yeah, and that brings us to our third warning, which is, yeah, we swear. Oh, yeah. Often at Sergey, who is looking uh, suspiciously at things on my desk, and that... No, don't... That's... Yeah, that's the cord. Those are my headphones. So you see where it's going. Oh, yes. Yeah. Time to attacking is... is uh, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're starting now. Yeah. So, uh, hi folks, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 239. Um, uh, work is work. I am progressing on things. I, I made a joke yesterday in stand-up, but it's, it's really true, is that I don't feel like my day has been uh, complete unless I, uh, or productive, unless I've submitted at least one piece of code for review. And so... You know, today it was meeting heavy, and I was like, but I really want to get this thing done, and um, so at least started the process on reviewing that, even though I need it needs more work. And I know it needs more work, but I want other people to look at it first. So, yeah, that's me. Um, and then I, I had a great interview uh, just before we started recording. You'll get to hear that um, in a couple weeks. That'll be episode 241 on the 3rd of March. So that's only like um, one, two, two weeks away. Cool. Yeah. And that will be um, the last episode uh, before we go on vacation. There will not be an episode. I know the second week of March because we're going to be out of town and I, I just... I have made the uh, the radical decision that we're. I'm just going to take the week off. We're not going to pre-record and have something go up for the first time in two years. We're taking uh, a break. We're allowed to were. do that. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Um, it feels weird. <laughs> it does. Oh but, yeah, no, no. You no. know, uh, but it'll be worth it. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not. I'm not even scrambling around work or productivity alchemy because it's it's a thing that's going to happen right um and yeah and i'm finding myself realigning some things on my scheduling and and my weekly to do um still using the productivity alchemy planner thank you reagan yeah um it's just that instead of like having the same list of, of daily things to check off. It's like, yeah, most of these I'm going, I, I've reached a point where they're habit and I'm going to check them off anyway. So now I'm, I'm looking for other things that I may need to, you know, have as daily habits because these are sort of ingrained. Um, like chicken bedtime. Do I need to have a checklist item for chicken bedtime every night? Do I, I, I mean... Probably not. Probably not. I'm How gonna... were the chickens tonight? Oh, the chickens were fine tonight. Everybody was, um, no drama. Okay. No drama. Um, I mean, okay, so Strong Independent and Ninja in the back of the one coop were a little upset because I opened the door because one of the coachins, oh God, I don't know if it's Gertrude or Henrietta, but 
one of them likes to lay eggs in the corner on the ground. Not ah, in the nest yes. box, but in the corner in the ground between the water and the food. And so I have to, you know, so I have to open the door and lean in to get it. And since that's the area that Strong Independent and Ninja the Rooster like to sleep, um, they always get a little huffy about it. But uh, I, I did manage to get some keelbone rubs on uh, on Ninja. He was <laughs> both, like, he stood up to enjoy it, but he was also slightly offended by the prospect. Um, Strong Independent wasn't having any of it. No, no. Because that's that's just strong independence way. Um, she's she's not a cuddler. Not really, no. She's Never. not afraid of you. Like, most of the chickens no. are like, oh, God, he's trying to pick me up. Oh, God, strong independence is just like, personal space mammal. Uh, Lorge is reaching a point. Of course, he's slow and old now. So I can pretty much pick him up. And he's not so much offended as, I guess this is my life now. Resigned. Resigned, yeah. Becky, if I pick up Becky, I can usually pick up Becky, but she's always offended because I've I've taken her from the mealworms. Yes. And we can't take Becky away from the mealworms. Good God, no. Kevin loves his chickens. I do. But yeah, everybody was, uh, was in their normal spaces. So, I mean, we, we sort of have this running game of, uh, where are the chickens tonight? At least in, um, in the Rooster Emeritus, uh, I guess I should just call it Lucky's Enclosure now. It's the Rooster Emeritus until Lorge passes this mortal coil. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, and, and a couple nights it's been like, all right, let's go. Why is everybody jammed into a space that was made for, like, four chickens? And there's three cochins and like five adults in there and one adult usually morticia just alone on the other side going man i like my personal space yeah they so, it's chickens frequently want to be very tightly packed together and it's like, yeah yeah you know guys this this can't be comfortable but you're all in here voluntarily because you know there's lots of other places to sleep and uh, it's it is true that chickens will need to learn a place is safe to roost but like if they know there's three safe coops they'll go between them yeah yeah it's, you know they they don't uh uh it's not like most of them don't have to be in one particular coop at all times it's just like okay where do i feel like being tonight as long as they have somewhere they know is safe yeah i mean but uh, no um i i think there is some preference at least on the 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 non-emeritus side because i will find strong independent and ninja roosting together in the same place and the cochins always go to the same place uh, most of the time sometimes gertrude will wander over and roost in the one with um spare and lenore but most of the time you know they're very they're very particular about the places they're they're going to sleep um and then uh, in the other one, there's there's a little bit of a rotation between things. Um, I always worry about Clotho because nine times out of ten, if she's in the same coop as Lorge, she's like under his butt, and I'm worried he's going to poop on her in the night. Um, I've seen no evidence of this, but, uh, you know, whatever whatever coop Lucky is in, I can be pretty sure Clotho will be there too. 
Um, always Clotho being one of the two fates, uh, the two remaining fates. Um, yeah, the, the Bantam Cochins. So, a- anyway, yeah, that's, that's it for me. Like, I've been playing some video games in my downtime. I've been poking at things for opensource.com because uh, it just hasn't been gelling quite as well this year, but I'll, I'm sure it's going to hit at some point. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's just me. Like, you know, um, work keeps me busy. I, I get into focus time and then I forget to stop focusing and it'll be like six o'clock and it's like the dog is what gets me to stop working right now. But are you so, enjoying it? Oh yeah. Well, that's the important oh, thing. Oh yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. Um, hi, Orange Cat. You seem to be very chill. <laughs> yeah. Just hanging out. So how about you? Uh fairly well i had sort of a a dark night of the soul because a a, yeah uh manuscript that i really thought was going to get accepted for a thing uh was not and it was they were like now this isn't working what else have you got and it's a a publisher that i owe a book to so it's like basically you know we just pick what it is and I was really bummed because I had I had just assumed on some level that was of course what they would be going with. Can you two not fight each other underneath the monitors and around my coffee cup and my my water bottle, please? See also cats, and uh, it was just depressing. And I was like, you know, because this was a project that I've been working on off and on for months, and yeah, I was like, oh man, this is you know crap. Uh, and had a what if what if nothing is scary and I can't write horror anymore and I have shot my wad in terms of scary things. <laughs> and uh, sorry. So uh, uh, Kevin reassures me this is unlikely. And but uh, anyway, uh, watched a bunch of horror novel uh, horror novels. Watched a bunch of horror movies, which is weird for me because I've realized I don't actually know what makes a good horror movie anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think okay. a good horror movie is one where I don't start laughing hysterically at some point or go, oh, for fuck's sake. And, right. like, there's a... In in 90% of the movies we have watched, I hit a for fuck's sake point. And... Uh, I mean, yeah, we sort of went into, there were a couple, like, we will start right off with the You Made Me Watch Blair Witch Project. You'd never seen it, and I I hate it, so I wanted someone else to share my rage. And and I I hit a for fuck's sake point with, because... (laughs) Quite quite early on. And I I had to apologize, because I said, you know, most horror movies are predicated on people being stupid. Yeah. And... And I had said, no, you don't understand. You have not seen this movie. And Kevin thought that this was just another case of horror protagonist being stupid and did not realize the full God. glory. I wanted to say horror, but that was the problem, wasn't it? Of yeah. The Blair Witch Project. I, 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 I had to stop and like pause and be like, here is everything that, that they have done wrong so far, and it makes me angry. Yes. Kevin right. was a scout leader. Yeah. Lost in the woods. You are doing everything wrong, you fuckheads. Um, 
And then we watched Signs, which was so close to being a good movie, and it, as I think, as, oh. as someone on Twitter said, three quarters of a really effective movie, and one quarter so bad it retroactively goes back and destroys Shyamalan's career. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's yeah, kind just of. like... And, and, and the ones that really infuriate me are the ones where I'm willing to be scared, and then I get an oh for fuck's sake. And that was certainly that movie. Yeah, because like I mean, it had it. Yeah, it. I was, I was there. I was scared. They showed me the alien, and I'm like, the CGI is not up to snuff, and they can't open pantry doors, and they melt in the water. Oh, for fuck's sake! Your words were you're coming to a planet that is 70, 80 percent water, and you didn't bring protective clothing. Yeah. Right. There yeah. Was, there was a lot of rage. Um. So then we we set out to watch other horror movies, and it turns out there aren't that many good horror movies, by my definition. By your definition. Yes, of which is, I am, I do not get super exasperated halfway through. Jordan Peele's too? Oh my uh, god. Uh, uh, get Out and Us, 100% there, brilliant, well and done. I am, I am 100% there for Nope. When it comes out, you still have to see the trailer. Yeah. Sergey, give me that. uh, What? Like... No, I I will use the squirt bottle on you, motherfucker. No, really. uh, We Uh watched um, Midsummer. Yes. Which uh, is not a horror movie, I don't think. Yeah. I guess it is, but I don't know what the hell it is. (laughs) It's... At no point, uh, at no point was I scared. It was more of a, you know, this is why we don't invite anthropology students to the cult meeting. I, but, I, I see a lot of parallels between it and um, the original Wicker Man. Possibly, yeah. You know, I, I get that. I get a strong Wicker Man vibe. Well, from yeah, it's, it. yeah, it's the it's it's the folk horror thing, which yeah, I, yeah. I know a little bit about, but and, and psychological horror more than anything. But, uh. But it was much more effective at what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who, of course, hated it, and a lot of people who love it. It was very good at doing what it was trying to do. And so I think yes. it was good in that sense. Then we watched The Conjuring, or rather, like, two-thirds of The Conjuring, and I was like, I do not care anymore. Yeah. Like, the- you are you are just trying to cram every scary thing you've ever thought of into one movie, and you're not giving any of it time to land, and you have just made a fear turducken, and everything is mushy and overcooked. And it doesn't help that you can't, you couldn't, you can't tell the faces apart on the actors. Yeah, so I thought this was a story about a family of professional demonologists being haunted. Right, and uh, it wasn't. Until like a third of the way through, and then I was like, wait, these are two different people? Oh. Yeah. Okay, that yeah. does change things a little. Yeah. I, I... It's not a good movie. I honestly, I think it's of the of the Conjureverse movies, of the main Conjuring films. It is possibly the weakest. I still think the second one is the strongest. Uh, although the third one was close. I, I mean, I made you watch the Blair Witch Project. I'll watch one if you want. Yeah, and well, but I think I think the spinoffs or the side movies uh, were much better. I think uh, I. Personally, I think The Nun was a fantastic film. Um, I love The Nun. I shouldn't. It's a comfort watch for me. That's but, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I, I think of the three Annabelle movies, the first two were kind of meh, but the third one was interesting. The, uh, you know? uh, anyway, so, uh, without getting into Kevin and Ursula talk horror movies for an hour, which might actually, you know, some of you might enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the point is when the well is feeling dry, you have to refill it with stuff, and... Most of what you refilled it with was rage. Uh, well, spite has always been one of my greatest motivations. That's true, that's true. But, uh, I... You know, I it's I was feeling frustrated in the genre, so I immersed myself in an aspect of the genre that I usually don't. Leave the painting alone. Um, God, bad cat. Of them, absolutely, I'm going to say Midsummer was the most effective, if not exactly scary, but possibly only because I had a sleep paralysis nightmare after that and uh <laughs> but that was probably the stress of the you know yeah, the yeah. thing but uh, i i thought us was phenomenal oh no us is fantastic it, yeah. it really is it's uh 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 yeah let me take that back i i had sort of because that was before i was having any of the crisis i was just like yeah let's watch us because or let's watch uh no, we uh, get watched out. we watched get out or, yeah get out was the one no we watched get out and us after blair witch project Yes, but that was before I was having the Dark Night of the Horror Soul, basically. It was just yes, random yeah, okay. because we yeah, had a conversation yeah, yeah. about the Blair Witch Project. Um, or maybe Shaky Cam, I don't even remember. But, uh, yeah, I, I no, okay, uh, the two Jordan Peele movies were incredibly effective at what they were. The second one was good. It was not as good as the first one. Us, um, it was really cool, but... Yeah, yeah. There, it was, there were a point or two where I was like... Okay, the twist is really obvious if that's supposed to be a twist at all. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would say get out super effective. Yeah. Oh yeah. Midsummer really effective at what it was trying to be, which was not quite what uh, I think people wanted it to be. Uh, then we watched The Witch, which I am still like, well, this is just basically God being a Puritan sucks. Yeah, there there was a lot of that. And we watched uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yes, which was, which, I will also say, a supremely effective movie for 1983. Yes. And here we get into the problem, which is where uh, technology kills everything, kind of, because the the scenes of the monster and the head getting up and walking around on spider legs and things mm -hmm. in 1983 were probably just mind-blowing. Yes. Like, apparently that won tons of awards for effects. These days, I look at it and I'm like, okay, that's really cheesy, and of course it's spiders. So, that, that part, yeah. you know... What, which is the problem that a really good movie can become a for fuck's sake movie later mm -hmm. on, or a really effective horror movie, as, you know, we become jaded to the effects. Like, for example, I'm told that when King Kong first came out, people fainted in the aisles. Yeah, no, you I know, can, the yeah. theater. Like, it was just, holy shit, no one had ever seen anything like that. Oh my god, now it's, you know, uh, cheese ball, stop motion. But... Uh, and this is one of the things why they say practical effects hold up better, and to a certain extent they do, although, no, the head walking around to the thing is, uh, is funny now. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I'm like, oh god, that's cheesy. But, at the time, totally willing to believe it was terrifying. 
Um, the exception to this, I will point out, is Alien holds up, and oh I don't know God. if Alien will ever not hold up. Yeah. Because, but uh, occasionally you just get a rare genius, and H.R. Uh, Giger was that rare genius, so the Alien design was so just relentlessly spectacular that, yeah. Yeah, even the, even the I mean, as a basis for further movies... And the design, it's held up. It is consistently held up. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, just because the Xenomorph was that goddamn good. I, I want to say that uh, the the Predator does the same thing. Although we, we sh I should rewatch Predator. Uh, we should rewatch Predator. Um, the, the interesting thing about Predator is they're doing it with the... And I don't even know if that is cheesy CGI or just a cheesy... Uh, uh, just another, uh, like something they're doing to the film itself to make the, the wobble, the, the predator wibbly, you know, mm, invisibility mm -hmm. thing, like the Romulan cloaking device kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I was thinking more when it find when you finally get its helmet off. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's really good. But, yeah, yeah. uh, uh, that one almost works because it's not that it's meant to be cheesy, but it is meant to be. The thing that it is is meant to look like bad, almost like bad CGI. The, the yeah, mirage effect yeah. of the thing. Yeah, that is, that is so much like what we expect it would look like that it doesn't look bad. It looks like what the thing should look like. Um, yeah, so uh, the thing really well put together, mm -hmm. but I, you know, not at all scary uh, because it's a walking head with spider legs. Um, but... But still, I mean, it's one of the things where I can see that it is a good movie while it does not at all affect me. For those asking, the movie that scares me the most is The Mothman Prophecies. Shut up, that's why. No, no, I, I, I after watching it with you the one time, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, no, if, if you're going to take a terrible, terrible, terrible book. Oh, I tried to, I, yeah. I, you got a lot farther in it than I did. The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel is an incoherent diatribe of, uh, it's like a bad manifesto of a crackpot. Yeah. But, you know, and, but uh... The, the writers who turned it into the movie deserve all of the applause because it is just, they, they did well. And they did very well. They also hit my my deepest, darkest sort of fear, which is the the alien or the monster. It's usually an alien that has its own agenda that I cannot understand, and I cannot negotiate with it, and I and I cannot predict it, and there is nothing I can do to affect it. Like I am not really afraid of serial killers because. I understand more or less how they work. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's going to really suck when I get chainsawed into 50 different parts and <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy that at all. But I understand what's going on. Right, right, right. right, uh, right, right. Gray aliens scare the shit out of me. So uh, yeah, which is the reason why Spines made me so angry because my God, I, w it was, I bought in so hard right up until couldn't work a fucking doorknob. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. So, yes, uh, the point is, um, sometimes when the well feels dry, immerse yourself in things, and you will find that uh, uh, just, you will find inspiration 
Sometimes in a, wow, that's really cool, what would my take on it be? Sometimes in a, wow, that is such absolute shit, I could do so much better. <laughs> I am going to do better. This is, is what I would do. Uh, see, see also, also why I wrote all of my Paladin romance novels, because Neverwinter Nights 2's romance with Casimir made me angry. I'm not saying that that rage has spawned um, six, uh, yeah. six books. But there you are. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. And more to come in that series. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I have an interview. Yes. That probably has nothing to do with me ranting about horror movies. Uh, no. It is with um, uh, Dorothy Reset, who is a freelancer, a certified productivity coach, and... Um, is uh is just really cool um okay. and i'm gonna have that for you right after this today with Dorothy Rossette, uh, who has graciously agreed to come on the program and talk about how she stays productive. I forgot to ask you pronouns. That was incredibly rude of me. Um, are your pronouns she, her? I hope yes. they're she, her, because otherwise I'm embarrassed. Okay, good. Um, I usually, Folks, I usually ask that before every interview, and I forgot this time because it's it's been that kind of a, a week. Um, so... But there you go. I do ask every time, folks. Don't don't worry about it. Um, anyway, Dorothy has said she would be uh, delighted to be on the show, and I'm delighted to have her. And so, Dorothy, can you do a significantly better job introducing yourself than I just did? And tell us about what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I, I have to go back and, and tell you a few stories and a roundabout way. Okay. So um, my name is Dorothy. I am a German English translator. I grew up in Germany and I've been living in Albany, New York, where I've been living in the US for more than 30 years. So I've spent the largest part of my adult years in, in the US speaking English, but um, I work with German and English every day as a translator. And I've done that for a long time. I, I started my own freelance business in the 1990s and, um, raised three kids and it was just a great fit, you know, being a freelancer working from home. And when my kids were younger, I had to be incredibly on spot to, to get all my work done and to pack everything in with my freelance work. Um, I learned a lot in those years, just how to, how to be efficient, how to not waste time, how to condense my tasks. And I thought, well, that's what like everybody did. I had no clue. Yeah, I, I thought like that's what everybody does. And um, so fast forward 2013, my kids were adults at that time, and I was 
wondering like what else is there is you know do i sit in this office and keep typing away and keep freelancing by myself or what is missing and um mm -hmm. i thought well you know i could i could teach time management maybe i could um you know tell other people how i go about being productive and so I decided to to give that a try and I started giving like talks to small groups and um it was kind of the conventional time management if you will you know like yeah. how do you use a calendar what's a timeline that kind of stuff and I realized that there was a certain group of people that showed up to those talks and they were my favorite people They were the kind who came like 10 minutes late and profusely apologized. And we're like, I'm the idiot who comes late to a self, you know, time yeah, management yeah. talk. Um, and I realized that what I was talking about, that, that time management stuff, like mm -hmm. this really conventional approach right. made no sense to those people. They were they had a different concept of time. I got so into it. I thought this is like the people I really want to work with because they were fun. They were creative. They had these awesome ideas and they all seemed to like really struggle to find a good approach for how they wanted to use time and how they could follow through on those awesome ideas they had. So, Over time, I, I totally abandoned this conventional idea because it wasn't that much fun anyway. I was much more interested in, like, how does productivity work for people who struggle with that concept? And um, so I went back to school because I was just so interested. I thought, I want to learn how that is done. And um, I studied coaching and I became a certified productivity coach that's what like my my title is i'm a cpc um and i almost exclusively oh, work with yeah isn't that cool <laughs> um so the people i work with are those folks that but them time like goes incredibly fast or much slower than for the rest of us they're the ones who who get so deeply engrossed in their work and they come up for air and they go, wow, I can't believe it's like five hours later. Right. Um, right, right. So I'm just so fascinated with how productivity can mean so many different things to different people and how time is such a flexible concept, depending on what we're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. My my wife, who uh, was diagnosed with ADHD in 2020, has absolutely no concept of how linear time works for the rest of us, or or for someone who is considered. Um, uh, I'm going to put this in air quotes. Neurotypical, um, because for her, if she has an appointment on a day, we had a big discussion about this um, a couple of weeks ago. If she has a an appointment on a day, her entire brain is consumed by that appointment on that mm -hmm. day, whereas she saw my calendar with like, you know, five meetings, two interviews, here's a block where I'm, 
you know, recording something and she's like, how do you do it? That's just, that would make me insane. And I'm like, just how my brain works. Right. So it's the same, it's the same concept. Everybody has sort of their own way of doing it or has their own sort of concept of time. And there's the, and I'm putting this in air quotes again, normal way of thinking of time. And then there's everybody else. And yeah. Yes, I have fallen into that hole where it's like I'm working on a thing and then it's five hours later and I'm like, why is it dark outside and did someone check on the chickens? So. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by how um, those differences determine how someone plans their time, right? And how much they can put into their calendar and how... Um, for some people, even the shape of time can be different. Oh, yeah. So for some folks, it's like a pizza, and they, they think of what they have to do as individual wedges. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it's like more bubbles. There is no coherent concept. It's just like leaves on a tree or something. And um. All the books, I, though, you I'm know, when a you stack of a stack of boxes, person myself, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but many of of the like classic time management productivity books, they sort of presume that you have this linear mindset, and then it's super easy for you, right? Like, of course, you can get things done when you are able to think in little boxes or little stacked entities. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, we just, I just did a letter show. Um, and one of the questions are, what is the uh, canon, the, the sacred texts of productivity? And like the two, the ones that form the bedrock of almost all modern productivity are Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and David Allen's Getting Things Done. But both of those work on the Assumption, we'll say it, assumption, um, that, yeah, everyone thinks in the same sort of linear time and boxes things. And they would drive my, for example, my wife insane because she does not think that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would actually, you know, that would be a dream that I don't have the, the <laughs> coding skills to do. But, like, if, if a Google Calendar that is in a different shape... Mm-hmm. That would be the dream, right? So if you uh, could yeah, maybe. put a Google <laughs> Calendar into a pizza shape. <laughs> uh, just uh, uh, a pie chart, actually. Now you've got me thinking about, I know how the API works. I know how to render things in the spreadsheet, I wonder. So now you've given me an idea, and that's just, that's great. I Like, I need another idea of something to do. <laughs> um but no, I, I get it, and um, I've I've seen so many apps that everything is is that stacked list kind of concept, mm-hmm. uh, uh, linear, or you prioritize it, and that makes it linear, or, or something like that. And there are very few. I don't think I've ever touched any that think of it outside that same format. You know, yeah. almost like uh, um, now I'm thinking, could I build a heat map? of projects based on priority and 
now you've got me now you've got me thinking about all these things I could do as alternate views to a calendar. Yeah. Well maybe some yeah. of your listeners have explored <laughs> that, you know, they'd be lovely to hear yeah. whether someone's yeah. experimented with a nonlinear calendar. Yeah. Um and so folks, if you're listening and you have, you know where to send the email, where to put the comment, and I'll read it on air at our next letter show. So <laughs> Um, so with all that, which is pretty awesome, the question becomes, how do you yourself keep organized? Um, so I've learned to use really simple tools because, um, that's what I teach and that's what I work with, with people around. So, um, mm-hmm. I went from using a lot of digital tools to a super simple approach I do use paper and pencil, even though I'm I'm really interested in that um, tablet that you mentioned earlier. Um, oh but yeah, I, the, the the remarkable, which is it is yes, it is paper but digital, and I really wish I could get like discount codes to give out to people, but because it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, I'm using a binder, a simple binder um and when it's full and i've put tons of notes into it then i go to the supermarket and buy another binder i'm finding that that's the simplest way to keep track of everything that's on my plate um so of course i use google systems too i have google calendar of oh, course yeah. gmail um and i i like how that all like fits together like puzzle pieces so that works on the back end of my business and it works really well for me. And I've built um, a dashboard in Excel that helps me keep track of all the freelance stuff I have to do and all the clients that I'm currently working with. Every time I have a new idea, then I I make some kind of change to that Excel sheet. So it's been with me for years. (laughs) So that's, that one's almost like a living history. Yes. At the same Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I can only imagine how long it takes to load on. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you rotate out sheets every so often? It's like, okay, this one is getting too big and hard to manage. Let's archive and just bring yeah, in the things that are relevant to now. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that Excel sheet also has new ideas in it. When I go, I, mm-hmm. I should really look into this program. Here's something that I should give a talk on or something that that all goes into this dashboard. So it's all in one place for me. Um, I really like working with Trello too. And I have found that Trello appeals to some of my clients because you can customize it so well and you can um, work with colors. Yes. And, uh, I find, I actually have used Trello quite a lot. Actually, I use uh, Kanban boards for so many different things because it's really easy to just get that look and say, okay, like I'm on a team with other people. Okay. Who's working on what, what's in progress, what's not done. You know, what have we got coming up? And it's just boom right there. And it's so easy to say, this is done move. This is, I mean, it's great. I love the paradigm of the Kanban board. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Trello customizes so easy. Yeah, so I use fun. Trello with groups yeah. too. It does really yeah, yeah. well. Yeah. 
I love that they're all simple tools. It's not fancy. It's not there's there's not a steep learning curve. Um, so, uh, all right, can I see one of the binders? I have to see one of the binders if you've got one handy. If not, it's cool. It's cool, but that's all it oh, is. Oh yeah, just a, just a straightforward <laughs> yes. spiral brown college notebook. Right yes. on. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and the reason I adopted that was because one of my clients asked me how on earth I kept all my papers together. Because her papers were all <laughs> over, and I was like, spiral bound. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I use I I use um, oh, and I have I have a couple back here. I when I'm using like paper paper, I use disk bound, the circa. So and I have the special mm-hmm. hole punch, so I can just pop them in and out as I need to. This is actually the paper calendar I was going to use for 2022 until I got the um, the remarkable and I keep it on hand just in case like if something goes wrong I have a backup um, mm-hmm. so yeah no I totally dig it awesome wow um, what else or is that it <laughs> um, well a few years ago I used Evernote a lot and then I got away from uh-huh. it um, because I like the integration that I now have with, with the Google products. I thought that yeah. just worked better. I, I ended up transferring things back and forth, and that wasn't so convenient. Um, and then I love color coding. I'm just a big color coder. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for me, everything is um, like every day of the week has different colors. I get carried away with it sometimes. You know, I have like things in the kitchen that are for certain days and stuff and gets a little ridiculous. But I find that just for me, color works like a charm. I can do a lot yeah. with it to keep things straight. And and I find um, I have multiple machines and I've got my phone and my iPad, you know, all that sort of thing. So when I'm color coding things and it does that thing where you use stand up a, or you, you log on for the first time on, say, your new phone, and suddenly the colors don't match. Um, you know, I'm always spending time going, okay, let's make sure the colors are consistent across all the machines so that I can look at it and go, because every calendar has its own specific color, right? I have, you know, my work calendar, my personal calendar, um, my wife's calendar, you know, all that sort of thing, and it's like I need to have them different colors so I can look and go, she has an appointment. I have an interview. Um, I have a work meeting. The work meeting has to take priority, right? Um, all that sort of thing. I love color coding. Yeah, so I'm big into post-it stickers. Um, I find that the tangible part of it is important. Mm-hmm. So I, for long-range planning, I have just a plain whiteboard and post-it notes on it in different colors. Um, that seems to just make it more um, realistic for me to plan something um, when I plan, say, a four-week course or something to, to put the content out. That seems to be the easiest thing so you can shift ideas around and figure out what I want to touch on mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. Have you seen that Office... Uh, Depot now has uh, semi-transparent sticky notes. No. <laughs> my my mother-in-law saw them and bought them for me for my for for Christmas. So it's like, yeah, they're 
they're practically see. I can't. I, the the lighting in here isn't. But if you stick it up on something, something underneath it, you can sort of see what that other thing is. And I'm like, oh, I have to have those. <laughs> Yeah, I forever yeah, come up with new reasons. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Yes. <laughs> when I found out they had color schemes, you could buy color scheme packs. Like, this is the tropical one, and this is the one for the Miami one, and this is the... And I'm like, you just want all of my money? Because this is how you get all of my money. I have to have them all now. Um and then my wife stops me, physically restrains me, and everybody's fine. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, this is not even funny, but I do go into Staples to check out the new Post-it colors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, I am and, – and certainly we have, we have the, uh, the Office Depot, and I think I have everything I want from Office Depot and, and Staples in general. I know that. But I'm not allowed to go into an art supply store or a new office supply store without a chaperone. Because I will just roll out with like 10 new pens and three different, and my wife is just like, really? Do you need those pens? Yes, I need those pens. I'll do a review of them on the podcast. It'll be fine. Sure. <laughs> Interesting question, since you said you use paper, and everybody else, I, I know everybody, uh, as, or several listeners are like, really want to know now, do you use any, any like, fancy pens, special pens, or is it just um, bulk buy your favorite kind of pen, and then and that's just all you use? Um, yeah, I, I like Sharpies, or, you know, something mm -hmm. along those lines. They come in, there's a new variety that has, like, two different kinds of tips. <laughs> So you can oh. write a thin line and you make a fat line with it. So they come in really beautiful colors. They do, yeah. And again, I I like writing on on different colors, post-it notes with different colors of the sharpies, and um, <laughs> it gets a little crazy. But um, I find that when I'm um, working on like the big idea things where I'm not even mm -hmm. clear where I'm going with it, that's helpful yeah. to color code. Yeah. Absolutely. New variety with thin and fat tips on them. All right, well, that's... Uh, there we go. Next time I'm driving <laughs> by an Office Max or a Staples, it's it's time. Uh... <laughs> so we've talked a lot about all the different tools. Um. Are there any methods or habits or systems that you're using as part of that um, to kind of yeah. keep things flowing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think about that a lot. Like habits are such a fascinating thing, right? It's, it's just right? yeah. so fascinating to, to talk about and to think about. I taught a course about habits last year <laughs> because I, I thought, you know, this is it's just so – um, essential to the actions we choose and the goals we pick has a lot to do with habits. But um, to practice that is is probably really important, right? When you want a new habit, you have to practice it all the time to make it something that actually will work for you. I, yeah. I like to experiment with that. I, 
I like to try to, you know, um, eat something new for 21 days and see if the habit sticks, any of that. Um, but, the, you know, for my, for one day, I have certain habits too. Like I get up early. Um, I make it a habit to not go right to the computer. I try to keep at least a half hour to an hour where I don't do any digital work. And that's an important habit, actually. So I have time to to think and to hand write things and to um, kind of get everything in balance before I dive into computer stuff. Um, so that's an important habit that I've really worked to do because um, that balance sometimes is, is the only thing that can pull us out, you know, out of out of that sense of like, oh my God, I have five days worth of stuff here in front of me, and I have only two hours to do it. So, um, oh, yeah. th- that sense of balance is what gets me through that mm-hmm. overwhelm. So, yeah. those morning habits, super, super important. Um, and then, I also think, you know, the habits we have that have to do with what we think, mm-hmm. not just the habits we do, and last year I read um, about growth mindset and the whole yeah. idea about how when you habitually think positive and um, in terms of wanting to learn and being curious, how that habit can really propel you to different places. Oh, yeah. And so I've been working the practice really looking at what am I learning here? What mm-hmm. what do I want from whatever I'm trying to do and seeing how habitual thinking can change how I use time. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because all of it you talk about is very deliberate, right? You have to make the deliberate choice to attempt to build a habit. You have to be very deliberate about doing it until it becomes part of your routine, basically. Um, and I, I think that is always, I want to say every time I read about, you know, building a new habit, they're like, it takes so much time and this, that, but they don't out and out say you have to be deliberate. In order to make something a habit, you have to deliberately say, I'm doing this thing every day and then follow through. Um with that, with that mindset of this is how I form a habit. I'm trying to ingrain this into my life to make things better. Um, or worse, depending on the habit, but that's all subjective, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, no, and the, I've, I've heard a lot about growth mindset um, uh, in various places. Most of the time I hear it as a buzzword or, you know, like, my day jobs, company growth, and we have to have a growth, a growth mindset. And I'm like, we'll let you pass this time. Um, but I think taking it away from corporate buzzwordy 
states, it, it's really important keeping that attitude, mm-hmm. keeping that idea that I'm going to continue growing and being delivered about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a really good book, yeah. the the Growth Mindset mm-hmm. by Carol Dweck. And she compares the growth mindset to the fixed mindset. So the fixed mindset is like, um, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> this is who I am. Right. And doesn't anyone want to suggest to me that there might be a better way? Versus, okay, when you have a growth mindset, you can say, I can learn this. There is, uh, there's a way I can change this to make it fit what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. And that's, and, and it all sort of intertwines like a growth mindset or, and deliberate habits is a system in and of itself to help keep you, yeah. like you if you, you build the habit, it turns into almost a system on its own. Cool stuff. Anything else in that sort of along that line? Um. Well, maybe I should mention the artist's way too. Ah, uh, um, yes. Yes. So, so, yeah. I haven't read it yet, but I do have a copy like right here on my bookshelf next okay. to my yeah. technical manuals. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it kind of goes in the same direction, you know, um, mm-hmm. intentionally, deliberately creating change. Yeah. In, in that book, it, it's about um, encouraging your own creativity and working to to build more um faith maybe or or confidence in your own creativity and you can do that with habits and one of the habits yeah. that she suggests in that book is that you write early in the morning she calls those morning pages and yeah. so you hand write a few journal pages it can be anything it doesn't have to be poetry or whatever you can write about like how your car needs maintenance, it doesn't matter. But you, that practice of, of actually letting things from getting things out of your head, putting them on paper and writing in longhand on those pages, it's really beneficial. And if, when I first read that, I thought, yeah, right. But then, uh, you know, growth mindset, I thought, okay, well, fine, I'll try it. And it was so right. good. And there's the the whole concept um, of kinesthetic learning, that as you are writing it down, it helps some of us cement it in our, like an action taken to assist you in remembering. That's why Mm -hmm. they push note-taking so hard in like school and things is because you will remember it better if you write it down and then maybe you won't need the notes well, I mean, you'll find out whether or not you need the notes because you wrote it down, now it's stuck in your head, mm-hmm. right? Um, although I'm also the one to write it down so that you can get it out of your head because if it's in your head, it's probably in the way of other things, mm-hmm. you know? I was reading something how when um, there, there was a study, people who write their goals down mm-hmm. are exponentially more likely to follow through on their goals and apparently, if you write the details of your goals, you really mm-hmm. write it out in what's that going to look like? What are the specifics? When will that be? You can help yourself achieve that goal a lot. That's so interesting, yeah. right? I mean, it's it's part of the whole 
uh, visual, you know, visualize, set yourself a vision, uh, set yourself a mission kind of thing. But the other thing is when you're setting up goals, uh, I'm a big fan of the of the smart goal method, um, where it's you know where you know going in it's achievable, it's measurable. Um, why can't I ever remember all of the letters? But you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. If you're sitting there and you're writing out the goal and you're like, this is really big, then maybe you dig into the details and you start to see how would I do this? What are the steps needed? And that automatically takes you into the, you know, take the big task, make it into smaller bite-sized chunks, which is something I'm also a big, big proponent of. Yeah. How do you eat 12 dozen eggs? Well, one egg at a time. Uh, right. <laughs> I keep chickens. 12 dozen eggs has actually been a problem. So, <laughs> How many chickens do you have? Um, 16 right now. Uh, oh, but wow. spring is coming, so yes. it's time to, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to order next year's or this year's um, day-old chickens and enacting my plan to sort of create my own hybrid chicken and yeah this is you know but but there's the thing right i want to i have a very specific idea for what of a chicken of a type i want to look at and then i had to sit down and say well i can't just grab two chickens and mash them together and i'm not a geneticist so i can't just you know manipulate them that way i have to go in with the mindset of okay what kind of chickens do i need what breeds how do i you know how many years is this going to take as I as I try to settle and and firm up a bloodline? It's, you know, frankly, right there. It's a big goal, but I have to break it down into small pieces because I can't just throw a rooster and a hen in a thing together and say, "There we go, it's done." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have to look at the long term effect. Like, what do you want to achieve oh, with yeah. that? Right. And yeah, and and. I just think it would be a cool chicken to have running around, you know, my area. But um, but the whole thing is, yeah, it's it's like when you look at that goal and you say, all right, here's where I am now. Here's where that is. How do I get there? And a lot of times yes. people don't think through how do I get there or it's still early January, right? There's a lot of people who make that I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year, but don't think through how, how are they going to lose 50 pounds, right? Um, you know, uh, eating correct, well, yes, eating healthily and exercising. No one ever chooses that option for some reason, but eating healthy and exercising. <laughs> um, uh, and, but I mean, that's, that's a whole cultural thing. I think at least, um, it, it's been sort of woven into our culture. Right. Set this big dream goal, but don't think about how you're actually going to do it. Just set the goal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to think about that a lot. How do people get to those super large goals? You know, how, right? how do you make that happen? Or how do you work with a goal that's been half accomplished? And then it was set aside because it was just too difficult or something was missing. How do you come back to that and revive yeah. it? Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those are, they're, they're out of our control. Um, you know, 
there are obligations as you are becoming, as you as you grow, as you age, as you have a family, as you have you know all these things, and uh, sometimes you have to reprioritize. And there seems to be a stigma around that. Would you say there's a stigma around like reprioritizing and maybe yeah. saying this goal isn't right for me now? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, um, there's that. You know, sometimes the productivity with a capital P that is almost yes. like a like a cult or a religion that people go, this is what I need. Um, but it's, it's so unclear and and fuzzy what that actually means to them. Um, actually, I think that as you move through life, you adjust what that means all the time, right? Right. Yeah, and that—that yeah. that is actually a mature thing to do. To say, I used to dream of making a movie, and now I don't dream that anymore. I want to do something different with my life. Yeah, yeah. And there are always the people who are going to come up and say, "I thought you were going to make a movie." Like they're going to shame you for not doing it. Right. Like, yeah. You know, life—life life didn't lead me down that path. You know? Yeah. Wow, well, I, I learned. You, be, you know. Yeah, I, I learned oh, yeah. something different about myself, and now I, I have different goals. Yeah. So that's productivity with a lowercase p, right? Not the yes. not the thing that you need to pursue because others told you to do it, but more the thing you pursue because it helps you have a good life or, you know, balance yeah. everything you want. Oh yeah. And that I. I I can reflect on this now. Uh, like you, I have adult children now. And, um, you know, I look at how my priorities have shifted over the last 20 years, right? 25 years uh, between the time when my oldest was born and now, God, he starts his, my youngest starts his second semester of college. Um, not his second semester, his second semester of his sophomore year of college. I guess that's like his fourth semester of college, like Monday, right? It's mind-blowing and, and looking at the path to get there and how everything has changed in the last 25 years. Um, well, it's not quite 25, but yeah, close enough. Um, it's really, you know, it's that interesting look back, right? Going, well, my priorities then were very different than they are now, but my life situation was very different then than they are. And it is now, right? Okay, now we're getting way too deep. I usually say like that, that for the last three questions. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're, we're going to get really deep in, in a minute. Um, but before that, um, you talked about getting up early as a habit and, you know, spending that offline time. What does a typical day look like and, and how do you decide what to do first? Um, yeah, so for me, some of those decisions are not my own. I, so I have the two different things that I do. I translate. And because the clients that I work with are in different countries and different time zones, they kind of get oh, to yeah. decide for me. Um, so that comes first that I, I decide after I switch on my computer and I begin to interact. That's usually the first thing. Um, but then I also... I'm a big believer in, in um, chronobiology, you know, thinking like when is my energy level such that I can do my best okay. thinking and 
when yeah, am yeah. I not so, um, well, just not as sharp or not as, as focused. So I do the focused stuff in the morning because I just happen to know that's when I'm quickest and I make good decisions. In the afternoon, I tend to kind of backtrack on my own decisions and it, things take longer. <laughs> so, um, I defend that time slot from say, 7 to 11 pretty vigorously. I don't go out in that time and I don't make appointments because that's when I get a lot of my writing done. Um, and the other time I can then shift around other things I need to do. I work with clients kind of midday, afternoon time. I typically don't do that first thing. Right. Um. So I was I was talking to somebody who was you know a, a a like no you absolutely must get up early and you do your best work in the mornings and I'm like I absolutely do not I do my best work from like 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's when I can just get in that groove get in that focus get things done and it confuses people sometimes but it's important to know how how those timings work for you. <laughs> because if you're trying to push yourself to, oh, yes, it's morning, and everyone says I should do my deep focus work in the morning, uh, maybe that doesn't work. Right? You have to personalize that. So. Yeah, and some of that exploration has to happen first before you mm -hmm. set big old goals and start to set out your day, you know? Um, yeah. oh, so yeah. I like to ask people, like, what do you know about your own productivity mm -hmm. when when do you have good ideas or when do you actually have the patience to sit down and do something about those ideas? Right. It varies. That is not the same for everybody. Yeah. And it can be, and you have to be very protective of that time. Like I know that I work for a company that has offices all over the world and we're a distributed team. So I know that there are going to be, time slots that work for one team or another, and it may impinge on that time. Um, you know, so I have to make those, those, you know, very important value calls. Okay, can I do that meeting on that day? Because, you know, that's normally a big focus day and time for me. Or, you know, or do I want to do this meeting at this other time? because I'm usually a little scatterbrained and distracted. Maybe maybe this meeting needs to be, you know, I should talk to everybody about moving that one to a time where I can pay attention. Right? Yeah. 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 That's really a good idea to make those decisions not based on just a clock or a, a square in your calendar, but to, like, really yeah. think, okay, what will my mental state be at that time? Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that... I sometimes forget, and I certainly see other people forget it, is that there is this kind of transition time before something and yes. after something. So when you're yes. talking about oh, yeah, a 60 yeah. minute meeting, it's not like you have just the 60 minutes, you know, it's like you need at least 15 minutes before and then maybe another 15 minutes after until you're actually settled back into your own thing again. So, yeah. It's, it's more like an hour and a half, not just that 60-minute thing. 
Yeah, I, I try very hard not to schedule back to backs. Yeah, I hate that, that actually. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, but I'm going to need that gap time, not just for, you know, settling my thoughts, prepping for the next thing, but also catching up with all the things that happened while I was, you know, the, the, I write code. So, you know, the, the review requests, the, um, the new submissions, all that stuff that has to be, you know, all the churn that happens. Yeah, I've got 30 minutes free between meetings. Perfect. Like, then I can wedge that chore in. And it, it's, I mean, yeah, it sort of is a chore. Um, and I don't have to feel bad about it because it isn't also taking away from other productive things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There's, there's an interesting thing, too. Chores are habits at the same time. Right? Like, it, I, I, I have a habit of making sure that all the dirty dishes are out of the sink and the sink get washed every day. Right? A lot of people, that's like a chore, but I've turned it into a habit, a daily habit. Yeah, those things are good to have, especially yeah, if you do exactly. it kind of around the same time. Because your mm-hmm. body sort of wants those routines, right? I think your yeah. mind wants oh, yeah. the routines too. Just like a dog or a, a little kid, they love routines. Yes. Or um, or my cat, who believes every routine is to center around him. But that's, you know, I wonder where he is. He's not in here bothering me. Hopefully he's asleep upstairs with my wife and not causing problems for anyone else. Um <laughs> Um, cool. And then after work, do you have, uh, like any wind down time, any time for hobbies or other things, or is it just yeah. um, time to go yeah, to bed? <laughs> I, I really enjoy being outdoors. I'm a gardener. Mm-hmm. I have a dog too, so oh, I go out with the dog. Yeah. And, um, I like all the stuff that is kind of as far away from a computer as I can get. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, Right now in the wintertime, I'm already planning the seeds I'm going to put in different spots in the garden. And, um, so that's, that's yeah, a hobby. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I really wife, enjoy anything outdoors, yeah. whatever. She's been, every time a seed catalog comes in, there's, there's a pile starting, right? A pile starting next to her bed. And she's like, what am I going to plant this year? And I'm like, you can't start seeds for like three more months. She's like, I can start ordering now. And I'm like, you know, okay, just pick some things we know we like before you start, you know, going with, well, this is a heirloom, an heirloom tomato that I've never grown before. Let's see how it does. Um. (laughs) Yeah. If I order them too early though, then I put them somewhere and I forget where they are. You know, that's, she is dangerous starting to thing. store her seeds like literally in the garage right by where she does all the seed starting. Right? Um, which is good because now, like last year, she lost seeds and she's like, well, I guess I better order more. And so we had some ridiculously large number of tomato plants. Because then she's like, oh, here's these seeds I wanted to start. And I'm like, we don't have enough yard for all those tomatoes. Um, that's okay. Chickens love tomatoes. So <laughs> anything we don't like, they'll eat. Um, sorry, I'm I'm just I love having chickens and keeping chickens, and it's just it's become an integrated thing in my life. That's my yeah. outdoor time most of it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and that's good too, you know, because it yeah. is a habit and a routine there as well. I mean, you yep. can't just like go out there once a week and just remember that they're there, right? You have to take care of right. them. And Yeah, I have to, you know, check the water, make sure they have food. If I don't give Becky her mealworm, she gets very, very cranky with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, collect eggs. If I don't collect eggs, then maybe one of the hens will go broody and then... You know, that may not be healthy for her if we don't want babies or if the bags aren't. You know, there's a whole range of things. They're mostly low maintenance, but, you know, you do have to collect eggs every day. You do have to make sure they have food and water every day, just like a, a dog or anything else. Yeah. And I think humans are programmed to to do some of that, right? Like That's yeah, why it's yeah. so satisfying to garden and to deal with pets and to interact with animals because that's yeah. part of what's wired into well, our brain. Yeah, and I also think of it as, as one of the things that we seem to to lack, um, especially if you're in you know an industry like mine where we're developing software, we're, we're doing this. You, there doesn't ever seem to be a, here's a, a fixed start and a fixed end. And like it's always like, you know, okay, well, here's... Now that we've gotten through this particular loop, it's time to start on the next one and the next one and the next one. And there's a point where you can just stand there and say, I'm done, right? But I can go out and uh, I can feed the dog and I can be like, yes, the dog has now had food. That is a task I've started and I have finished and the dog is happy. Or, you know, it is time to collect the eggs and it's not like, yes, I'm going to have to collect eggs tomorrow, but it's not like I have to go out every hour and I'm never done collecting eggs for the day. I only have to do it once a day kind of thing. Um, and I think that's something, you know, we've kind of got away away from. There's always the next email, the next thing. There's no, you know, we, we crave tasks that have a start and a finish and aren't just sort of an eternal grind. Yeah. Wow, now I'm, now I'm oversharing with you. It's... <laughs> such a great conversation right <laughs> yeah this is why this is why this is part of why i do it um all right are you ready for what i consider the uh, the fun questions sure yes um, all right the deep dives um well maybe not deep dives but uh, um so hey um what is the best advice you've been given or and uh the best advice you'd give someone else um, so I, I thought about that question, and what came up was in my training for productivity coaching, I heard from one of the trainers, she said, when someone comes to you and they go, I just don't have enough time, and um, I can't squeeze everything that I want into my available time, her first reaction is always that it's not about time, and to not work with that person on, well, let's make more time for you, but to look at, well, what is it you really want and how can you get there? And once they they get really motivated and they develop this enthusiasm and this passion for mm-hmm. what they want, then mm, in most cases that happens and they can move forward and it's no longer about time. So that was just a piece of wisdom that I received from this person and it has an impact on how I think too when I get overwhelmed with something 
then it's not about time. It's more that I'm like making it really big in my head or I'm yeah, being, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want it to be perfect and stuff. It's not that. I can make it fit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, whenever we, we think about it and we say we don't have enough time, um, does that, that usually means we're not spending our time on the things we want to be spending it on or that we feel we need to spend it on. Like yeah. somebody else is driving our priorities and our time usage, and that's not how you get happy, right? Um, or yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Are you ready for the sad but easy question? Sure. All right. Um, how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal? Um, I'm better at that now than I used to be. <laughs> um, I used to, you know, really beat up on myself and go, well, that could have gone better. And um, this this whole idea of the growth mindset that was such a game changer for me to think I get a, another chance and another chance and another chance after that. You know, I get to try it right. and yeah. learn it like a, a little kid. I don't have to expect myself to, to be from one to 10 to learn something mm. and then perform perfectly after that. Um, so that's how I like to think of it. Some things just take a long time, you know, and oh yeah, it's hard to accept that some things take such a long time when we want them to happen yeah. right away. And I find it interesting because I've been doing this almost five years now, right? I've been doing this. Wow, yeah, we're we're heading up towards the end of year five, and um, it's very interesting to see. Uh, some of the repeat talk of, answer this question two years later, four years later from their original interview, and how they've grown and changed from um, I need to go curl in a ball in the corner and cry for a day to, you know, I used to do that, but now, um, you know, I'll have a little pity party and then I'll start to figure out, you know, why start to figure out why and, and how I can grow and learn from that. And I, I love hearing that because it's, it's true. You know, it's, it's, you learn by, you've learned by failing. I'm a firm believer, right? Um, and people have to have the space to fail. So cool. Um, all right. The happy, but often difficult question. <laughs> do you celebrate your successes and if so how again I'm getting better at that yes <laughs> um, I used to just think well that's what I expect of myself I, I wouldn't have it any other way and that's not really mm -hmm. true um, so I celebrate with a way with mm -hmm. not looking to follow up on something with yet another calendar appointment or another achievement that I have to follow up with. Just taking time off. I really like to travel. Yeah. So that that's yeah. a good reward. I mean, no one's been anywhere fun in the last two years, right? 
but um, uh, it would, would have been some of your favorite places. My husband and I went to Taos, New Mexico last year, and I, I loved it. That was an awesome spot. Yeah, we, we haven't been to that part of it. We've, we've been to um, Albuquerque several times, but we've never been, we've never been there. Um, I have to say, I really want to go back to Iceland someday. Iceland is just amazing. And, uh, and Berlin was fun. I, I, we had a lot of fun in Berlin when we were there and, uh, many, many years ago. I guess it's been about eight years now, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, I don't where, I mean, and there, but even little trips, just little trips away, like, um, we did a trip to the mountains and just had a weekend, um, late last year. And it was, it was just nice. You just, even a little sort of like, we're going to be there for two nights and we don't have to worry about taking care of the dogs and the cats or the chickens for, you know, two days. Cool. Um, you know, even that little getaway is, is nice. Right. Wow. Um, that's everything. Well, there, there's one thing there, there really are two things left. And the first is, um, uh, tell me, tell me about this business of yours and how people can find you. Right? Okay. If they want to, if they want to talk to you about the coaching or the productivity or any of that, or they need translation services. Yes. Um, well, for, for the productivity and the coaching, they can go to takebackmyday.com. And that's where they can also find my book. My book is called Complete What You Started. Yes, you have a book. Yes. Um, so that's all on the website. But mm-hmm. I also am on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And my Twitter handle is Take Back My Day. Cool. And I'm always happy to answer questions. And I hope we'll get some feedback on this episode here, too. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll be looking all those up. And I'll be putting them in the show notes. Um, and then the last thing is, um, so we're, we release as um, under Creative Commons. We have the ability to take donations. We don't need it. We absolutely don't need it. We're in fine financial shape. Uh, and I always ask my guests for a charity they would like our listeners to support. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And so do you have a, a charity for our listeners to support? Um, my suggestion would be the USCRI. That's the organization that's helping the people that were evacuated from Afghanistan and from other countries, um, like okay. here in Albany. I heard that mm-hmm. we have a hundred families that just came from Afghanistan. They literally came like with the clothes on their backs. They have nothing. So if anyone feels inclined and they want to make a donation, there is great need there at the moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and even, um, and I want to say it's, you know, we're mid January doing the interview. I, it looks like it's going to release like mid February. And this is something that has been needed for, I think I had uh, a guest start talking about it when it had first happened in, what was it, like September of last year? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't gone away. 
and a lot of people think, well, it isn't the news headlines, so obviously we don't need to do anything, but these are long-running problems, and mm -hmm. people need help for a very long time after that. Awesome. All right. That's it. We're done. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun. Okay. Well, I want to thank you. I thought that was a great yeah. conversation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and uh, anytime you want to come back, drop me an email. Uh, next book, um, you know, next venture. Uh, we will be more than happy to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you. So, yeah, you're very welcome. No, thank you for taking the time out. Taking the time. And for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. First off, thank you, Dorothy. Fantastic conversation. Had a lot of fun. Um, very jealous of uh, you know your your celebrations of just get away. And uh, I hope you have the opportunity to do it sort of the way we have the opportunity to do it uh, soon, um, because it's uh, you know uh, travels fun and um, yeah. So there's that. Um, we have a word this week. Worded upward style. Worded upward style. Our word for this week is horror movie, no spaces, all all one string of text. And you can put that in the badge code section at Productivity Alchemy and be rewarded with a badge. You will also find links on what badges are, how we support open badges, how to claim them, and what you can do with them. And um yeah, it's it's cool, and if you have that gotta gotta collect them all mindset, you will love it. And if you don't, you'll probably just not care. So hey, there's there's that. Um, yeah. And while you are there on the website looking up badges and why you want them and what to do with them and all of that jazz, uh, you will find another link, Kevin. What does that link say? It says support. What should they do? Um, ignore it. I yes. mean, well. Yeah, don't don't support us. We're fine. We're, we're good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we have a Patreon. Ursula has a Patreon. I have a Kofi. We 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 will take your money, but we'd rather not. Yeah, I mean, we're we're doing great. We'll tell you if it changes. We want you to give your money to somebody else. Who should they give them money to? Today? Uh, this week, um, Dorothy actually suggested that uh, we send people to help out the U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants at refugees.org, who partner with other organizations around the country and now uh, around the world to help refugees uh, find support and services and, you know, things like that in the countries where they um, are refugees in. And I know they've had a rough couple years. Uh, anytime a outreach charity like this has a we are heartened by the president's recent statements on the welcoming of immigrants 
and refugees, it's like, okay, that's, you know, that tells you how it's been uh, for, for agencies like this. One of the allied agencies, believe it or not, is uh, something called the Raleigh Immigrant Community. They have, they have partnered agencies all over the country. Um, and there's one near us helping uh, immigrants settle and find resources and get the help they need. Excellent. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, one for the, uh, they're also partnered with uh, the American Relief Agency for the Horn of Africa, one you're probably familiar with because they're in Columbus Heights, Minnesota. Uh, not necessarily. I didn't, you know, leave St. Paul very often. Yeah, but isn't there a very large refugee community? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there's a yeah. huge one. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, the organization, uh, mm-hmm. now, but yeah, yeah, no, there's, it's a, it's a hub yeah. for uh, a couple different uh, groups, I believe. Yeah, so, um, you know, they're, they're working hard to uh, work with other agencies and to help support um, refugees that are coming to this country who need it. Um, so, which I think is, you know, good work overall. So, check them out. Check them out, refugee.org. And that is about it for this week. Um, two or more episodes, and then we're going to take a, a, a week off. All righty. I like this. Yes. I like this. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's everything. Well, in that case... Sergey, um... stop. That's my hand. I, I, I'm going to have to appease the cat is what's going to have to happen. So if you, uh, if you are not being tormented by a cat, or even if you are, this week, go out and do your best to stay productive. I mean, one of my biggest roadblocks is this gray, affectionate, angry little cat. I mean, he is affectionate, but he's also just a raging asshole. I mean, that's part of what we looked for when we got him. It's true. Yeah.